Hi, I'm Mac. Hi, I'm Abigail. And this is Unsubs. podcast where we recap, rate, and review all 324 episodes of Criminal Minds. And today, it's Season 4, Episode 7, Memoriam. Memoriam. Uh, this, okay, yeah, I don't even know where where I was going with that. I'm, I'm just, uh, 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 let's do some fun facts. Yes. I'm getting Chinese tonight for dinner. Oh, I'm jealous. And we're getting a lot because then we're going to have it as leftovers. That's that's my fun fact. My fun fact is going to be about television because I feel like a lot of my fun facts usually are. Because I've been sequestered away in my little tower of this sickness. I watched a lot of TV and I... By the time that this episode comes out, the season will be over. But I don't know. I feel like I know this is for a lot of people, but I feel like I'm the only person in the world right now watching Yellow Jackets on um, Amazon Prime. And I am so excited for the season finale tomorrow. It is so good. High school soccer team of girls getting stranded in the woods due to a plane crash. Like, say less. I definitely have to watch it. Oh, and Christina Ricci's in it. Oh, I love Christina. She plays like, because it's like the the show is like, we see the girls in 1996 when they're in high school stranded in the woods. And then we also see 25 years later, current day, some of the girls living their lives uh, back in society after being rescued. And Christina Ricci plays one of the girls when she's older and she is like completely unhinged. It's so good. You guys should watch Yellow Jackets. Uh, we are in no way, shape, or form associated with the television show Criminal Minds. Nope, we are not. And do we want to do our rating criteria? I guess we have to. <laughs> <laughs> I just choked on my own spit. All right. Our... Rating criteria, as always, is five different categories. Um, criminal slash serial killer, character development and character arcs, forensics and context, script writing, and background characters, all uh, in total worth 100 points. Okay. Let's continue. You know what, guys? Just to level with you, I try to bring the excitement and the enjoyment, but this episode, I just don't care i'm like whatever and here's some like hot fucking tea that i feel like people are gonna go off about i love the character development episodes for every character who is not spencer reed anytime it's a spencer reed character development episode i'm like i kind of feel that too though like he's my favorite character but i just feel like they're so like unnecessarily heavy yeah like he's being tortured and drugged and it's like okay like we didn't we didn't need that like he doesn't need an arc he's already perfect it's like reed is the best when you see him having fun 
Like that, like it's like when you see him failing at flirting or when you see him like nerding out, it's not as fun to watch him suffer. Which is like, the, which is true for like, you know, most characters. It's like, oh, watch people suffer sucks, but we live for drama. So I love seeing Prentice suffer. Those episodes, there's one coming up. It's one of my favorite episodes overall coming up. And holy shit, she just looks so great as she suffers. I don't know. I feel like we're kind of problematic, but... Cancel us. Cancel us. Anyways, let's get to this episode that I've just shit-talked. We're in Vegas, baby. We gotta get you the fuck out of Dodge, man. We're going to Vegas tonight. What are you talking about, Vegas? Vegas, baby, Vegas. What do you mean, Vegas? Vegas. Vegas, Las Vegas. I'm not going to no Vegas. Yeah, I think, you know what, man? Uh, we're we're going to go to Vegas. and. Uh, when gonna, are we going to Vegas? We're going tonight. No, we're not going tonight. I'm, I'm not going to Vegas. Listen to me. No, you listen to me. I'm not going, okay? okay. And not, none of this shit anymore. Listen, I just listen to you. Now hear me out. You bring something nice to wear. <laughs> I'm not going to Vegas. Michael, going. I'm not going to Vegas. You're so money, baby. That was actually a, a swingers quote. I'm a big Swingers fan. The movie Swingers with Vince Vaughn. I've not seen it. Vegas, baby. He's he's doing the Vince Vaughn thing in there. Uh, and he's like, your money, baby. Let's go to Vegas, baby. Anyways. Vegas, baby. Vegas, baby. We're still here. We never left. Last episode, Reed was having flashbacks about running into someone's basement Seeing the deceased body of a young boy and then seeing his father? Like, Reed's father. Daddy? Daddy father, man? (laughs) So, the same daddy father man who ran out on him and his mother when he was young. Morgan did some digging and some research and discovers that there was a suspicious death involving a young boy named Riley Jenkins. And he would have been a few years older than Reed at that time. And Reed actually grew up in Las Vegas, baby. Vegas, baby. So Reed has some vague memories of an imaginary friend that he named Riley. Um, but clearly it was like it was a real child who died. And when he speaks to his mother, Diana, about it, she also thought that Riley was an imaginary friend. But we do rem- remember that Diana Reed is... You know, she she has mental health issues. She's not always the most reliable. Reed and the team stay behind a day. And Reed is like, I'm going to do some research and see if I can get to the bottom of this mystery in one day. Like, here's the confusing thing to me. Because, like, last episode, he had asked if the team could stay behind. He thought that was enough to crack the case. I guess he was like, a night is, you know, yay for everyone. We get to be in Las Vegas. And then he's like, let me see what's going on. And then is like, oh, shit, there's so much more involved. So Reed tells the rest of the team that even though they've just stayed behind an extra day, he's going to stay another extra day behind. (laughs) This is so fucking convoluted. I'm sorry. So he's like, I'm just going to spend time with my mother. No, no biggie. And Morgan and Rossi are like, no worries, man. Take a few, few days. Do whatever you got to do. Like, that's fine. Reed is like, all right, that's solved. I, I've done hidden 
hidden my aspirations from them. They're never going to figure out what I'm up to. So he goes to the Las Vegas police station and asks for the file of the 1984 murder of Riley Jenkins. We meet the original detective on the case, Detective Hyde. He tells Reed that the family was initially suspected. Riley's body was found in the basement of Riley's house, a la Jean-Benet Ramsey. However, Mr. Original Detective Guy tells Reed that he always thought that someone outside of the family was responsible. Detective Hyde thinks that Reed is barking up the wrong tree to go digging through this case, even though it's never been solved. He tells Reed to, quote, go back to the fountain view, have a drink by the pool and think about things. Reed's like, all right, well, I'm not going to do that. So he goes back to his hotel room, looking forward to spending a solo night working on the case, only to find that Morgan and Rossi have stayed behind. Reed tells the boys that he believes his father is responsible for Riley's death. And they're good friends because they're not like, what are you, crazy? They're like, hmm, let's look into this a little more. Yeah, they're like, we're going to support you on this potentially traumatic journey. Yeah, they're like, that seems crazy, but we don't know enough about it to, to say that that's incorrect. Back at BAU headquarters in Quantico VA, Agent Todd, JJ's oh. replacement. Oh, no, not you. She never had a chance. I know, I feel bad. They gave us another character who was a person of color, and they just shit on her. She never had a chance. They they did her dirty. They did Justice. her so dirty. Like, fuck off. I hope that actress is thriving somewhere else. Meta Golding. Meta Golding. Meta, come on the podcast. What a cool name. Oh, she was in she was in the Hunger Games. She's doing great. Oh, thriving. Love it. She's District 2 tribute in uh in Obaria and Hunger Games Catching Fire and Marking J Part 2. She is making those royalties. Anyways, she JJ's still there, and Agent Todd is shadowing her um for the next few weeks before the Babe comes. We learned that Riley Jenkins' father, Lou Jenkins, was supposed to pick up Riley from T-ball practice at 4 p.m., but Lou got delayed, prompting Riley to walk three blocks home. When Riley's mother got home early that evening, she found Riley's body. He was sexually assaulted, and he was stabbed nine times, and his little mouth was taped up. That's so brutal for a kid. Oh, I know. And Reed is like, my father did it. Oh, God. Uh, and we get a, a little profile. At the time of Riley's death, it was profiled that the unsub was a white man in his late 20s to early 30s, which would make him roughly 50 years old now. He likely knew Riley, possibly had been to his house, maybe a neighbor. They say that this is need-based, sexual in nature, and the unsub is a pedophile. Reed realizes that his family lived less than a half mile from the Jenkins. So now he super thinks his daddy-father man is the unsub. Reed visits his mother, Diana, at this psychiatric facility. 
he asks her if his father liked to be around children. And she's like, yeah, if it was up to your father, you'd have a house full of sisters and brothers. She also says that he was good with kids and actually coached Reed's little league team, a.k.a. the T-ball team, a.k.a. the same team that Riley Jenkins also attended. Just kind of damning. The BAU boys meet with Riley's father, Lou. Reed learns that Lou Jenkins and his own father, William Reed, were close friends. Reed also learns that his father never left Vegas. Like, he lives nine miles from Reed's childhood home. So they show the fuck up at William Reed's office, and Reed and Reed Sr. face off. And Reed Sr.'s like, you don't look like me anymore. You used to. Everybody said so, because he talks like that. And Reed says, oh, you should say this. This is a a jumble, but you do a much better read than I do. And they say that some people look like their dogs, too. It's attributed to prolonged mutual exposure. Elderly couples, too, they unconsciously mimic the expressions of people they are around their whole life. So it kind of makes sense that I wouldn't really look like you. I haven't seen you in 20 years. Okay, but that's so true, though. I remember when um, I was very, sorry, this is like me going on a little tangent. I remember when I was younger, like it must have been like early high school, like middle school. Um, and I used to bring my dog Kiki to like obedience school. And so she, uh, we t- she was in the kindergarten and first grade and then she didn't, she dropped out after first grade. But I remember there was like one class where I was like standing there with my dog and I was looking at all the people and all their dogs and they 100% all like resembled one another. And I was like, this is so funny. It's prolonged mutual exposure. I mean, I've had people say that Kiki and I look alike, which I honestly can't tell if it's a compliment or an insult because she's such a like, some people think she's really cute and some people think she's really heinous. So Reed asks his father about the case of Riley Jenkins and straight out accuses his father of killing Riley. He's like, I had a dream that you killed Riley Jenkins. And Mr. Reed is like, interesting dream. (laughs) Interesting (laughs) observation. Is he in town on work? We're just wrapping up a case. A five-year-old boy was abducted and murdered. I read about that. Uh, Ethan Hayes, right? That's terrible. That case got me thinking about Riley Jenkins. You remember Riley Jenkins? Of course. I've been having dreams about him for a really long time, but when I came back here for this case, it jogged something, and the dream changed. I saw his killer, and it was you. Interesting dream. And Morgan is like, we just want permission to access your computer. Look through your records. And Mr. Reed is like, get a warrant. Cut to Reed calling Garcia and being like, I need you to hack into his computer. We can't get a warrant. We need to go under the radar. And I'm like, yo, this shit is so illegal. And they do this all the time. They do this every fucking episode. I think there was a Reddit thread on the Criminal Minds um, subreddit talking about how, like, they do so much illegal shit in this show. Remember that time that Garcia was like, just because you're being annoying to, like, that CPS worker, I'm going to send your boss the vacation photos of you and wherever. And it's like, why? Why? 
what is the point of that? Like, she's just doing her job. Like, you're not allowed to, like, unseal sealed adoption records. Like, what the fuck? All right, so Reed goes back to his hotel room and he finds that someone has stuffed a manila envelope under his door. He opens the envelope, which has a yellow sticky note on it saying, you've got the wrong guy. There are photos in the envelope, arrest photos. Reed then has a flashback and realizes that he used to play chess with the guy who's pictured in the arrest photos. We learn that the guy's name is Gary Brendan Michaels and that he was arrested for exposing himself to a minor. So he is a pedophile. Say it with me. Then Garcia, Prentice, and Hotch call, advising Reed that his father does not look good for the murder. Whoosh! Thank goodness. His financial records are clean and there is no untoward information on his computer. Other than the fact that his father purchased a ticket to see Celine Dion several months ago. So Hotch tells Reed that he doesn't believe that his father fits the unsubbed profile and Prentice is like, quote, we can tell you other things about him if you'd like to know. And Reed is like, whatever, I don't care. And Prentice is like, quote, he's a workaholic. He actually logs more hours than we do. He makes decent money, but doesn't spend a lot of it. He has a modest house. He drives a hybrid. He doesn't travel much. He stays away from casinos. And uh, according to his veterinary bills, he has a very sick cat. <laughs> and Hotch says, quote, he appears to spend most of his free time alone. He goes to movies a lot and he reads. And from his collection of first editions, it seems his favorite author is Isaac Asimov. Hey, we got. Hey, remember when we totally embarrassed ourselves talking about Isaac Asimov. Yep, like it was yesterday. <laughs> Garcia tells Reed that his father also has one other hobby: stalking his son Spencer Reed. And Reed is like, he googled me. Like that makes up for everything. Rossi then takes Reed to a hypnotist. I know that's a rough transition, but what can you do? Rossi then takes Reed to a hypnotist named Dr. Jan to be hypnotized to see if he can recover memories, uh, which I think is trash. But anyways, the hypnotist is like, this is not a good idea. And I'm like, I agree, Dr. Chan. And then she tells Reed Anything he experiences with her will not hold up in court. And he's like, that's fine. I just want to remember what happened to me. So she hypnotizes him. She freaking hypnotizes him. He flashes back to when he was four in his bedroom, hearing his parents argue, which is so sad. Reed then flashes slightly forward in the flashback, remembering the morning after this last memory. So the, the morning after his parents' really big fight. He walks into his living room and he sees his mother, Diana, standing at the living room window, like peeking out. He notices that she's been crying and she seems very distressed and she's like staring out the window. His mother then leaves the room and he's like, I'm going to see what she's looking at. So he hurries over there and he sees his father burning bloody clothing. Yikes. And now we're like, mm, okay, well, maybe he actually did murder Riley Jenkins. So Reed goes back to see his mother. Like, this is the most he's seen his mother in a long time. 
Reed tries to talk to his mother about everything he's found out, and she has a mental breakdown. Understandably, um, he's not, like, he's leading with his heart, not his big old brain that we all love. Uh, Nurses rush in to calm Diana down, and they give her some sort of drug to relax her. And as she's being drugged, she tells Reed, it could have been you. So now Reed is like, my father is a pedophile who killed Riley because he couldn't kill me. And Morgan, ever the skeptic, is like, you can't know this, Reed. And Reed is like, I don't know how my father is involved, but I know that he's involved. Reed and Morgan meet with Detective Hyde, the original detective that told Reed to go and take get a drink and go in the pool, which is what I want to do right now, at the Las Vegas police station. And Detective Hyde is upset that Reed has not had a drink or gone to the pool and is continuing with the investigation. And he tells Reed that he doesn't believe that Reed can be objective because he's accusing his literal father of being a murdering pedophile. Morgan asks Detective Hyde to officially invite the BAU to assist with the case, and Detective Hyde refuses. Reed demands that Detective Hyde arrest his father, or at the very least detain him, and Hyde finally relents and agrees to pick William Reed up. Meanwhile, Garcia has been digging into Gary Brendan Michaels, the man whose uh, prison, not prison, the man whose arrest photos were stuffed under Reed's door. And Garcia can't find a recent paper trail from Michaels. It looks like he fled town right after Riley's murder. However, Garcia does find that he has another record, and this one is a juvie record for trespassing at a preschool. Ah! As JJ and Todd are sitting there, JJ starts wincing again, and then they realize she's going into labor. As Prentice and Garcia are walking her out the door, Prentice says, Agent Todd, I hope you're ready. Your job starts now. So they probably called Will or Bill or whatever the fuck his name is. And he was like, I'm on my way. (laughs) I'm coming, JJ. (laughs) That was good. That was a good accent? Yeah. I feel like I'm getting better. You are. We We were really struggling in that first one. Yeah, we did. We were thinking about it too hard. Morgan tells Reed that he believes Gary Brendan Michaels is responsible for Riley's death, especially seeing as he fled town afterwards. And Reed tells Morgan that he believes that Detective Hyde was the one who slipped Michaels' information under his door at the hotel because Detective Hyde told him to, quote, go back to the Fountain View, have a drink by the pool, and think about things. And Reed never told Detective Hyde which hotel he was staying at. So now Reed thinks that Detective Hyde is in conspiracy with his father for something? I don't, this is where it gets really convoluted. William Reed refuses to talk without counsel. He tells Reed that he's proud of him and Reed is like, whatever. And then they face off and Daddy Reed is like, I didn't kill that boy, but I know who did. And Hotch calls and advises Rossi, Reed, and Morgan that Gary Michaels is dead. He was assaulted and beaten to death with a bat and listed as a John Doe on medical records when his body was found. However, there are fingerprints on his body that were never identified. Fingerprints of 
his killer so that the BAU can run the prints and figure it out who killed Gary Michaels. Because they're thinking Gary Michaels killed Riley Jenkins and then somebody killed Gary Michaels. And Reed is like, run the prints. And they're like, are you sure? And he's like, run the prints. And they're like, all right. And they run the prince and Riley's father killed Gary Brendan Michaels. Here's the full story. Gary Brendan Michaels kills Riley. He abducts him and he kills him. He then approaches Reed as the potential next target. Diana Reed sees this and she tells Lou Jenkins. And then Lou Jenkins is like, Gary must have killed my son, which was correct. And he kills Gary with a baseball bat. But Diana sees that Lou has killed Gary and she falls all over Gary's blood at the scene. And then she goes home and then William Reed is like, what happened? And then he goes over and sees that Gary's dead and Lou killed him in the clothes. So he he burns the clothes and then he divorces her because he can't handle the stress of the situation. And then Detective Hyde knew what happened. Yikes. And then Lou Jenkins has to go to jail because he killed his son's killer because Reed kept pushing the whole thing. It's just, it's a fucking mess. There are too many characters. It's too much. Then JJ has a baby. (laughs) And then then JJ has a baby. End of episode. (laughs) Yeah. Baby's name is Henry. That's the episode, guys. There are so many dangling strings. I'm like, okay, so is Lou going to be prosecuted because of this? Is Detective Hyde going to be prosecuted because he knew this happened? Is William Reed going to be prosecuted? But it's never resolved. So that that's that's the end of the episode, guys. Let's 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 uh, do a deep dive. I I did a little bit on uh, hypnosis. So um, a lot of what I'm seeing is like, yes, hypnosis is real, like that it is very possible to go into a state of hypnosis. It seems to be kind of not like controversial, um, but it does look like there is some mixed opinions on hypnosis. (laughs) Hypnosis can be very helpful, quote, uh, in treating, like, stress, anxiety, and PTSD. They also say that it can, like, even alter your immune function in ways that offset stress and reduce susceptibility to, like, viral infections. And then also they say it's surprisingly effective in helping you reduce, in, like, pain reduction. Like, if you had like a medical procedure or like are just chronically in pain and they also say shockingly it's a very effective means of weight loss but the thing is it's a little murky like how it actually like does this basically there are two stages of hypnosis which is induction and suggestion So induction is when the subject is, like, told to relax, like, focus your attention, and then, like, you are going to go into hypnosis. And this stage could last from anywhere from a few seconds to, like, 10 minutes or longer. And the goal is to kind of, like, quiet the mind, focus its attention on, like, the therapist or counselor. 
And then the suggestion phase involves talking to the hypnotized person through hypothetical events and scenarios to like help them address or counteract unhelpful behaviors or emotions. So patients are usually like, imagine, experience this thing as if it was real. To me, that sounds like visualization, um, and that which is kind of what they talk about a little bit in this article from Time Magazine. They're like, yeah, like hypnosis can be compared to like guided meditation and mindfulness. The idea is to like set aside judgments and sensory reactions and distractions and enter a deeper state of concentration and receptiveness. They say it's kind of like reading a book or watching a movie, the times when like the outside world is like no longer with you and you're just focused or absorbed in what it is you're consuming. It can sometimes bring up like false memories, which is why like I it sounds like, you know, they wouldn't want it to be necessarily involved in like legal procedures. And also, the other thing is not everyone benefits equally from hypnosis. Um, one quote here is that about 20% of people show a, quote, large response to it, while some percentage of people don't respond at all. And the remaining 50 to 60% of people land somewhere kind of in between. And also, children are a lot easier to hypnotize. The issue we have is, like, we have medical professionals that we are supposed to trust in and put our faith in. And these things kind of seem like a little hippy dippy. So when you have people who are saying like, this can help you medically, like, I'm like, "Mm," like you, we have, you have so many different opportunities to experience so many different doctors and people who are an authority figures in your life that like, you have to be really careful with who you put your trust and your faith in, you know? Yeah. I feel like, especially like with our, like how politicized like this pandemic has been it's been such a huge area of conversation and like i'm not even gonna get started on like holistic care because like i have a lot of like really strong opinions and like mixed feelings about a lot of it they kind of talk about this in that one podcast i'll never stop screaming about the dream season two about wellness the world of wellness because it's like i know a lot of people who are like well i don't trust big pharma or anything because they're all in it for money. Like, you know, they're trying, they're getting paid off to say, I'm like, the wellness and holistic world is exactly the same. It's just different sides of the same coin. There's so many people. It's everyone's just trying to make a profit. They're trying to make you, like, they're trying to sell you something. It's just how it's packaged that it's different. Different things, obviously, but it's just like, that's why it's like this kind of like pseudoscience stuff. It's like there can definitely be value and truth in all of that, but you can't it's it's still it's still gotta, you know, just take everything with a grain of salt. <laughs> Should we rate this episode? Yeah, let's rate this episode. It's gonna be quick. Criminals are serial killer. I don't wanna give this points. Cause it's like we it's gross, but it's like we who is it? Is it this guy? Is it that guy? We don't know until like the last two minutes. I don't want to spend time with him, but like we don't learn really like anything about him. Like we barely see him. Like we only see him in flashback and in the picture because he's deceased. I mean, should we give it like a five? Ah, uh, yeah. Character development slash character arcs. 
as much as I don't find it to be an interesting episode, we do, like, Reed goes through it and learns that his father is shit for walking out on him, but, like, not as shit as we thought he might turn out to be. I just feel like it's not very effectively done. No, like... I love Reed. Listen, he's one of my favorites, but like we all have to acknowledge that he uses his mother a lot in ways that are not okay. Or he'll be like, I'm going to spend time with my mother, and he doesn't. And he only goes to see her when it benefits a case. He never goes to see her. I like can never remember where they even stand with each other. Her mental illness, I think, really weighed heavily on the relationship where he felt he had to be the parent. And, like, that's a real thing that happens to people. But the way it's always spun in this show is that he's only coming to her when she's needed for a case. And she provides a lot of insight. And she's very smart. It feels manipulative. It is. And it is manipulative. And I don't, I don't like that. Yeah. He's a sweetie boy. He would never do that. Should we give it, like, a 15, then? Yeah. Forensics and context. The way there was, like, none. There was, like, none. I mean, I wish I could go back to the Fountain View and get a drink and lay in the pool. Like, Vegas, baby. Vegas, baby. Let's, let's, Let's fucking burn it. Burn it to the ground. This episode is bad. Five. Five. Script writing. Bad. Falls off the rails. Doesn't follow through. Seven. Okay. All right. Background characters. I mean, we had a lot of characters that I felt like we got to see. Well, you know, we didn't learn a ton about them, but we got enough moments with them. So, like, maybe a ten. Yeah, let's give it a ten. All right. You know what that gives our total to? What? Forty-two. we were like in a mood like i felt like i had my fucking puss on all day i was like but you know what that that's what it is sometimes and we hope you had fun with us anyways and we welcome the controversy if you're like this is my favorite episode we want to know why we are all about getting that feedback and interaction from you guys so do not hesitate to send us a dm or comment on anything Follow us on Subs Podcast everywhere. Uh, if you have $5 and you like Mindhunter and other shows, you can join our Patreon. And you can follow me, yournewapartment.tumblr.com. And you can follow me and my dusty podcast uh, between stage and screen on all streaming services and on Instagram. Do you know what the next episode is at the end? Oh my god, wait, is it Masterpiece? It's Masterpiece. <laughs> yeah. Y'all, you know what? As much as we hated this episode, next, next episode, episode a treat. A tr- it's one of our favorite episodes of the season, and we're only halfway through. We're not even halfway through. It's got everything. It's got Seinfeld. It's got brunettes. It's got mathematical sequences. It's got two guests. Two guests, guys. Our first two guest episode.